Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, you guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Temple of Who podcast. Uh, we are in Las Vegas. Yes, sir. Yes, in the, <laughs> on the second floor of the Encore in the Beethoven 2 ballroom, uh, getting active. I finally meet my co-host in person, Kings. What the hell is going on? We got to hear the handshake on, on, man, on the mic. You feel me? What's going on, know, my boy? Uh, enjoying it, you know. <laughs> Man, Encore, man, they doing it. They do it big over here, man. Nice yeah. place, nice spot. Yeah, before we get going, just a couple of things. First, shout out Blue Wire, man. They took Absolutely. care of us out here. Room is nice. Got us set up with Summer League press passes. That was dope. Secondly, if you ever clicked, uh, you know, follow, subscribe, listen to the podcast, man, yes, we appreciate sir. you getting the download numbers up to get us out here. We just honestly wouldn't be here without you guys supporting the pod, so – that's what we, I really want to say before we get going. That, Absolutely, uh, that man. Means a lot. We appreciate the love. Uh, we appreciate the engagement on the timeline. Uh, just everybody trying to ask questions uh, for, you know, giving us some type of tips or content. Uh, I know the boy, uh, Paul, he told Maples he wanted a Cam uh, shout-out. So we're going to give him a Cam Thomas shout-out on the pod. We gonna, I'm going to talk a little bit about him because, you know, my, my boy, Cam, uh, Kangar Rich, he was on the timeline. He trying to get at me because I'm telling him, Cam, you know, he's not going to see that much minutes. <laughs> Ness is trying to win. So we're we, we going to get into some summer league players who are, you know, lightening up right now, how, how we think they're going to project in the league. Because, uh, you know, summer league is always the season of overreaction. Absolutely. Let's, let's, let's get right into it. So we've been watching all week. We both got here today. But we've been watching summer league all week because there's not, nothing else really going on uh, sports-wise. Olympics are over. So – we talked last week about the main three, the top three picks yes, as far sir. as, you know, Mobley, Green, and Cunningham. You know, we discussed those guys, how they all look really good. But now let's talk about who who else has impressed you, whether it's re- returning guys who look way better or rookies that we, you know, thought would be a little further behind than what they're showing. So just a couple guys, in your opinion, who've, you know, shown you something here at Summer League. Obviously, it's you know, overreaction season, but let's do it. Uh, yeah, two guys that I think look uh, look really good. Um, obviously, uh, Cam Thomas looks good. Uh, he's been looking pretty good, but definitely showing that uh, scoring chops that he had in college. Uh, Book Knight looks really good. Yeah. He definitely has a lot of good tools. And then two more extra uh, guys because they was getting a lot of flack for being drafted. But a hey, shout out to Light Years. <laughs> they, they look like they have two quality picks. Man, Moody, man, he's hitting that three at a high clip. Kaminga, man, he he looks like a, a Mr. Do-It-All out there. He's making a lot of plays, uh, making a lot of athletic finishes, plays off the bounce. Uh, he's just And he just looks really big, man, compared to the other guys, man. For his size to move like that, it's really man. impressive, and he has good IQ. So they got some good picks on, uh, from the Warriors, uh, lottery picks, man. Let's talk about Kaminga. First of all, He's taller than six seven. I know what six seven looks like. Yeah, I, I, I was in. <laughs> I went to that. I went to the game and I sat about uh, four rows up in that 
OKC Warriors summer league game that they won. He's taller than six eight or six seven. So I just want to say that he definitely looked taller than six seven. <laughs> if he don't, if he ain't taller than six seven, it's probably because he you know he bigger than the six, right. regular six seven. Right. I think first of all, I think about Kaminga that jump statue. Even at eighteen, like that, that's a man's body. You know what I'm saying? Like that's he's got an NBA ready body already. And something I was told, just like I know somebody who knows Brian Shaw. You know. Kaminga had to take on a lot more than he was ready for in that summer league, on that G League and night team. That's why his numbers didn't look how it's supposed to. But I got it on somebody I really trust from a basketball sense that he's more ready to play than you know what people think. You, you know, the funny thing mm-hmm. is, um, you know, because I talked about the, the G League because when we had that G League versus college, right. everybody was focusing on Jalen Green. But a lot of people didn't know that Kaminga, before the G League extent, he was projected as too raw – he was going right. to be in the 20s. That G League stint actually sent him to the lottery. Like, that was a talk. That NBA scouts really liked the tools he flashed in the G League because of, you know, he was being asked to do more. And from the NBA scouts' perspective, they thought that his raw, his raw skill set, his raw talent to be able to do a variety of things, you know, being asked to do more, it really stood out and that he had just a lot of potential. He had a high ceiling. So that's why he started bumping up in the G League, even though his stats wasn't there. Right. The scouts was really just looking at his potential and his NBA-ready body, and they was really like just, like, falling in love with him as a prospect. So he started shooting up after the G League. Right, right. Yeah, I just – like you said, I think the Warriors just made two really good picks. Like, it's always going to be measured, you know, will they be ready to contribute, you know, on Steph's timeline? Like, that's always going to be the, the larger question over, you know, surrounding those guys, including Wiseman from last year. But there's no question I think those two guys are players. So I think, you know, they'll be happy down the road with those guys, especially I think Kaminga's got a chance. When you have a guy who's that aggressive getting to the cup, mm-hmm. I think you just polish him up, and I think you got some, you know, potentially you know, all-star level. So we'll see. I know that's early, early, but I just think I, I love his mentality. And it's, I, like, it's like I'm getting to the cup no matter what. Like, you, you need guys like that. And I think, you know, the way they're flashing, I really think it's making the Warriors feel good about drafting them. The Warriors were already hesitant to trade them as is. I don't think after the summer league they're going to want to trade them, right. these guys, especially because I don't think people are realizing because I see a lot of people wanting to go for Ben Simmons, wanting to go for uh, Bradley Beal, but the Warriors are in the repeater tax. Right. I mean, it, like they're trying to weather out the Wiggins and the Draymond contract. That's what the Warriors are trying to do right now. If they put another max onto that, that's just – I mean, they're already paying regular right. ta- luxury tax every year. Like, the ownership is just not trying to pay that going forward. So that's really why, you know, they're not trying to trade these picks right, right. now. I, I think, though, to that point, I think White Wiggins goes out if they to match salary. They're being right. Simmons and Sosa. But, but they're still – your point stands. They don't want to stay in that repeated Yeah, the issue with the Wiggins going out is that, you know, Wiggins has two more years left. Right. So in their minds, like, okay, they'll be off. That'll be a lot of money off their books. Right. If they trade for someone like Ben Simmons who has four years left or Bradley Wheel who they got to extend, it's like, oh, we still got to be. Yeah, and it, know, goes, it, goes, it only goes up. Only and then we both – we discussed a few times about how terrible that the luxury tax system is. Just, you know, all that money for trying to field a competitive team and zero punishment for and, losing every and year. And many but. people, you know, they try to say it was for to protect small markets, but with <laughs> small markets uh, having some success drafting, exactly. having some you success pay with them. trades, now they have to pay. So right. now you have teams like the Bucks, right, who are, you know, who never really had issues really with the luxury tax. Now they're in luxury tax hell. Yeah, they, had, they, they let P.J. walk, right? They let P.J. walk because they're in luxury yeah. tax hell. Similar situation to us, uh, you know, Lakers and Caruso. So uh, I think it's going to be one of those things where I think every team is going to start to look at it and be like, hey, because of so much how much the talent is coming into the league, right. it's going to be hard to be able to pay all these guys and then avoid the luxury tax. So a lot of people, I think, they're going to try and 
rework those rules. I'm in favor of abolishing the cap completely. Soccer style, baby. Soccer style, MLB <laughs> style. Have no cap, just pay you know pay to win if you want to win. Invest in the players and you know pay the players that you want to win with. But I just don't think the luxury tax is going to be here for uh, too long, in my opinion. The, with the more small market teams keep going into luxury tax, right? So the players I were I, I was impressed with um, the the rookies. Kaminga was probably probably jumps out at me first. Uh, Davion Mitchell sat caught a lot of flack Ooh. for kind of drafting a rotation guard, but I, I do love the defense. Uh, Book as well. Um, for me, I, I was high on this kid before the draft, and you know I was shocked he went to fifty one. Mm-hmm. I wanted the Pelicans to keep him, but uh, you know BJ Boston. Man, he was good. To, yeah, man, I was just you know half, man. yeah, I was just just uh, guys that can just generally have a knack for scoring. You know, I think you can polish everything. I think I think the Clippers have got something potential. I think around them, you know, great teams, they stay great. They extend their windows as long as possible by being very good on the margins. And I think the Clippers are, are doing that, you know, even with, you know, Kawhi's up in the air. But I think they're doing the, you know, adding the correct pieces around you know, their guy. They, they lock Kawhi up. They lock right. PG up long term. But now they got to have, what, they have man coming up. Exactly what I'm saying, Ed. exactly. Now you get Boston to come and up. And Keon Johnson. That, 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 that Keon Johnson, they can replace Marcus Morris. Right. And, and you know, and the uh, the other rotational pieces that they're probably going to lose because they're getting older, right? So they're going to have to replace those guys with the younger, cheaper talent. And they're looking forward. They're looking to the future. And they're also investing in the now. So right. the Clippers are doing a real good job trying to stay competitive. I think they're going to be a tough contender right. uh, going forward. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, let, let, let's talk about that. This is like this is the freestyle portion. This wasn't on the docket, but so Kawhi signs the four-year extension right away. Yeah. The whole thought process everybody assumed was he's going to take that one plus one. Yeah. And then take the big, you know, two hundred milli contract next year. Well, what's the message here? Because you know, some people are saying you know Kawhi doesn't trust his needs. Other people are saying he just you know invested into the Clippers. Uh, he went glad to be home. Some say it's a mix of both. Like, what do you think? Why do you think he took the four year now instead of taking the one plus one, and then that super super max next year? What, what do you think his thought process was? I mean, he could have did the one plus one, take the super max. He could have just stayed on the deal he had already, oh, and then opted in, right? Opted in, right, right, right. Extended, uh, you know, would would have still had you know a lot of money uh, that way. I think more than what he than what he signed for now. Uh, my only thinking uh, is one of two things. This could be a favor to the Clippers. Uh, due to the fact that um, they've done a lot know, under the table, they've done a lot for <laughs> Mr. Uh, Mr. Leonard. 
and Uncle and uh, Uncle, Dennis. Uncle Dennis. They've done a lot for Mr. Lear and Uncle Dennis, so this could be a favor to them. Or B, like uh, I think uh, the boy Ralph Mason said on Twitter, it could be one of those things where he's like, I'm going to be 33 when this is up. I'm looking at what Chris Paul's doing. I'm trying to set myself up for that. You right. know what I mean? Keep going with the with the max uh, uh, you know, as quick as possible so I can get I get this max out the way, and now I'm at 33. I have an even bigger one on the table to finish on my career. Right. So what do you think? Is Kawhi one of those players, a, a LeBron or Chris Party, who just plays – Plays and plays and plays like year seventeen, year eighteen. Like I, I, I never got that vibe from him. I feel like there's so much like he's into beyond basketball. He just doesn't put out there. Like remember that commercial where he's like doing kung fu in a music studio. Like is, do you see him as one of the guys who plays seventeen, eighteen years in the league, or will his body even allow it in your opinion? Like what do you think? Uh, basketball, you know. It put, it pay all the bills. It fund it fund the lifestyle. <laughs> right, you right. So, that's true. That's you know what I mean. So you know, in my opinion, I think he's just gonna go as long as his body can take him. Right. Because okay. you know, a lot of people think like the only way Kawhi doesn't finish his, out his career is if you know, or his career gets cut short is if his body you know fails him. But right. if he can if he can keep playing, man, he gonna keep taking those contracts. He gonna keep you know living good with Balmer, you know, pulling up from San Diego. You know, I don't think he want to leave that anytime soon. So, right. you know, that, that's how I feel. And I feel like Kawhi love hoop. You know, I you know what I mean. Like, I think he really loves hoop. So, uh, he doesn't talk about it. But I think if you look at him, you know how he's came up. You know, what I mean, how he is when you know when it's not uh, media oriented. When he's just in his natural yeah. state, I think he just yeah. likes basketball. Likes talking right. about basketball. Yeah, that's good. And real talk, before that, that's a great point. I think he's going to extend it too. Like, it's hard to stay no to that type of money just to play a game. Uh, but another guy who impressed me in summer, I want to just pop in my mind while you were talking, was uh, the guy that Pelicans got, Trey, TM3, man. That, that The kid that got in the first round, they actually traded down in the Jonas trade. This was Murphy? Yeah. And they ended up getting the guy they were going to take at 10 anyway because he dropped. So, I think he's been really impressive. Man, he's been lining up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like if, they, if they can get some spacing, legit spacing around Zion and B.I., I think that could uplift that team. The West is a, is a bloodbath. Man. So, so, I think they might be a playing team anyway. But hey, Pelicans is on the clock, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's go there. Let's go there Pelicans while we're here. So, the, clock, the, odds, the odds for wins and seeding came out, and I think – you know, we were on the money with, with Vegas because I think we both said we had the Warriors as a, a home court team in the first round. Yeah, four. We had and they had four. the Warriors fourth with the fourth, fourth best odds. Mm-hmm. It went Lakers, Jazz, Suns. That was our top three. Yeah, then Warriors were four with the best odds. And then Phoenix, not Phoenix, and then uh, Dallas, Denver, and the Clippers, because you know, Kawhi's not there. So right, right, as a, right. As a borderline playing team. And then the, you know, Grizzlies, Pelicans were down there fighting for that playing spot. Um, let's talk about your Timberwolves because I feel Man. like, you know, they got Ant going into year two. I think he's got a chance to make one of those, you know, big leap guys. Ooh. They're over-under is only at 34 wins. Like, is that is that low or high to you on, on the Timberwolves front? You know me, I'm biased, so I'm going to say that's low. <laughs> but, you know, I understand it because, you know, to, the, to Vegas, to all the people who know who, they still feel like, no, the Timberwolves aren't really trying to run a basketball organization. <laughs> like that's just the word, you know, around you know talking circles that the Timberwolves wasn't serious about basketball. Right. But last season, new ownership. I would say new ownership. New ownership came in. They made some uh, good moves. They got the new coach from the Nurse Tree, who's he's bringing in a, a very uh, a good system. As soon as he came in, Ant took off. 
You know what I mean? He got Ant to take off. He got D'Lo to play his proper role. If, if D'Lo buys into six, man, I'm, I'm on the over. And, if he and, buys into that, I'm on the over. And, and he, got, he got him to, like, yeah. literally. Right, 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 yeah. This is a coach that came in midseason. He told D'Lo, hey, man, you got to be our six, man. Right, right. And D'Lo bought in, and we started being competitive. So, really, for us, man, and, and you know, I wanted to pick, but like I told people, bro, like, I wasn't mad if we lost the pick because we got Ant, man. Like, right. in my opinion, Ant is better than any of these dudes right now. Like, I just think Ant has a higher ceiling. And know? that's not a knock because the top three in this draft is special. That's three, not a knock. Ant, I think I, I'm with you. Ant is just something different. I just think, you know, the thing with Ant, they're talking about just because he said uh, some things about like, basketball is not his entire life. People took it the wrong way. But you can see he's out there. He cares. And, so and he's a star. And, yeah, <laughs> just and, outside and, of the basketball and, stuff. It's just – He's somebody who's, you know, he he's having fun, man. He living right. life. That's just how he's doing it. He's he's like a he's like a guard version of Shaq. You know how Shaq came yep. in. He yep. had a lot of off the court things he wanted to have fun with. That's how Ant is, man. He just wants to have fun with life. He wants to do a lot of stuff. He likes doing a lot of things. But he knows, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he he does what Pat Riley says. He keeps the main thing the main thing. Exactly. And yep. he focuses yep. on the hoop and he does his job. So, hey, man, he's gonna be special. Uh, anything that has to do with us defying the odds, anything that has to do with us surprising folks is going to be based on Ant. Right. If Ant takes any type of crazy leap, then we'll, then we'll go from there. And, you know, we got to cover this. You know, we're, we're in Vegas. I'm seeing Kings face-to-face. We have not discussed the Dennis Schroeder situation. Oh, boy. Kings was the head man. of the Dennis Schroeder agenda oh, last year. Oh, man. So just the whole story, I think Dennis had a, a pretty good year. Um, I think the COVID affected him a lot more than, you know, he let on or what was reported or you know, what we saw. Allegedly, people, some saying he did, some saying he didn't. Turn down a four-year, $84 million extension. He wanted big, big money. Man. Uh, has a very rough playoff series. The Lakers as an as entirety did, but he did have the scoreless playoff game as the yeah. as a starting point guard. Uh, free agency starts, buffs a whole lot of teams, waiting it out. Uh, pretty much ends up playing itself, unfortunately. Whether him or his agent was was the culprit, we don't know. Ends up taking a mid-level type deal from the uh, Celtics. One year, 5.9 mil, kind of a prove-it deal. Man. I think it's a good fit basketball-wise. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think they, he fits there what they need. He needed a point guard, needed a point-of-attack defender. He's, I think he'll be better than Kimball was there last year. Like That's my opinion. He's going to be closing games for him. Uh, right, right. The closing lineup, I, I look at it, is going to be him. Uh, you're gonna be Marcus Smart. It's gonna be Jalen. It's gonna be Jason. It's gonna be Horford. That's yeah. gonna be their closing line. And that, and that and that is a damn good defensive. Damn line. good defensive. So line. I, I think you know they'll be happy with that. And Just, he and he gives Boston that uh, consistent rim pressure threat because that's the that's what Boston has been lacking yeah. for these these past years. Somebody's gonna get to the cup because they space the floor well. But uh, you know Jason Tatum's the main guy they used to get to the cup. Uh, he's he's pretty good at it, but outside of him, it's nobody else. Yeah, so. much. Yeah, I think Jalen JB Jaylen, took a step there, but it's still not yeah, anymore. It's not as consistent. So having having someone like Dennis to put that, and he's gonna have a great spacing around him, so he's gonna be able to right. get to play his game. I think where the league is, where where Dennis kind of misread the situation, where the league is, like if you're not a absolute star, a bona fide superstar, like it's gonna be rough sledding in your free agency because you know. Teams aren't going to overpay you long term. Like I think he could have got a, a a good, a high one or two year deal. He wanted long term, but he's a guy. He's not a star. 
but he's not he's not a scrub either. He's not less not a, he's not, he's not an average. Like he's he's, above not, he's average. not but yeah, he's yeah. above he's an above yeah. average player. He's a serviceable player, who, right. player who can be good in certain schemes. Right. Certain he, systems. I, I think he does two things very well. Uh point of attack defense, can fight through screens and then offensively he just can get to the rack. Get to the rack, and he can hit free throws. Right, right. I think the, the finishing is, is troublesome. Like, that that hasn't been good. I think a lot of that had to do with the Lakers' uh, spacing, in my opinion. But he didn't finish well last year. So, I think he just he's just kind of an in-between value-wise player. And teams just weren't going to overpay for that long term. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, you have to be a star-type player or you have to be a young player. Exactly. So, they invest in your because, potential, yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah. like, for them, if you're a young player and you pop, right, teams think that, okay, we got you in a contract, so we got a discount, Lonzo, ball-type situation, right? But if you're in your prime, right, and you're one of those on-the-fence guys, it's, they're not, they're like, you know what I mean? They're looking at Dennis, he's 27. They're like, man, we're not trying to pay you till you're 31 <laughs> when you're not really a star. You probably reached your peak, you know what I mean? So, it's like, you're not worth, you know, uh, giving this big deal to right. uh, long term. Now, whether the Lakers gave that deal or not, <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, I'm really not sure if that was that was the case, honestly. Um, I mean, Dennis did want to bet on himself, but four years, 84, I don't know. I don't know if Rob really <laughs> wanted I, – I, 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 here's this, though. Here's, and here's why I think I can see why he wanted to do that. And why bounce. Dennis? Yeah, and why Dennis said probably said no. Uh, Rob probably would say, you know, eyeing Westbrook, eyeing a star, and say, hey, if we pay Dennis now, we got salary. You know what I mean? We got salary to exchange, and we can make anything happen coming the off season, right? And Dennis probably was thinking that, hey, you know, if I sign a contract for that's not a certain amount of money, uh, and I can easily be moved to somewhere I don't want to go, you know, he wanted to put leverage either get a get paid the amount he wants or b play where he wants. I right. think that was what he was trying to do in, during the uh, contract negotiations. But like you said, he severely overplayed his hand. Um, yeah, but you know what? I will say this, because a lot of dudes was talking crazy during the season. Uber was trying to get $20 million. Right, right. Sean Holmes <laughs> was trying to get $20 million. Lonzo said the floor was $25 million. But you know what happened? And then we talked with Tony about this. Mike Conley came out, signed yeah, his contract, uh, yeah. and then everybody was done after that. Like, like if you're not better than Mike Conley, why should we pay you more than twenty? Yeah, I million? think I think Lowry was the Lowry was the only one who got the right. Yeah, Lowry's only one. That's because he's a champion, yeah. right? He's an all star guy. The crazy one, Lowry turned down more money from the Pelicans. Remember that was where he turned down more money. The yep. Pelicans offered him the most money. Yep. So anyway, so Lonzo had his introductory press conference today with the Bulls, and they asked him why, you know, why Chicago was a fit, and his comment was. I'm at a place where I'm appreciated and I can play my game. Mm. So, <laughs> mm. obviously, you know, Lonzo, Lonzo has a very strong fan base going all the way back from high school <laughs> and being a Laker. So, it's got, he got love from, you know, two a co-fan base from high school. He was a, a, a baby Laker at one point, so he always got that love. UCLA club. UCLA, right. So, he got a lot of uh, – it raised a lot of eyebrows – because, you know, he did have his most successful year professionally as a Pelican last year with the threes uptick. They played him more as a wing offensively. And what you just said is exactly why he said exactly that comment. Exactly. So, yeah. so what, what, what did you think about that? So he did, cause he, because he did have his best year, but you can still 
tell that he believes he's a point guard at heart. Yes, he believes he's a guard. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, no, Lonzo's a wing, but in Lonzo's mind, he thinks right. he's a guard. So he didn't like that we was having those conversations <laughs> on the timeline where it's like, you're a 3 and D, catch, right. and, catch and shoot, you know, secondary playmaker, somebody who's a ball mover or a, a connector or a glue type player. In his mind, he's a Jason Kidd. You know what I mean? He's a Steve Nash. He's a, a John Stockton type. I'm going to come in, I'm going to run the offense, I'm going to set up my scores, I'm going to run the transition, and I'm going right. to be able to create with the ball in my hands as well as play off the score. So that's how he sees himself, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, that's not how the Pelicans saw him. The Pelicans <laughs> saw him, you're going to play off B.I., you're going to play But they have to remember that they did the point Zion. They put, point Zion out there. They put Zion, yeah, Zion at the point. Zion, you, know? And you know what I mean? And they were looking to get Laurie because, it's like, we need a real point guard. Lonzo, we view you as an off-ball player. Right, right, right. So in Lonzo's head, he's like, man, forget all that. I need to get somewhere where I'm gonna shine the way I want to shine because it's like in his head, like, look, we know I know we're not winning in New Orleans. You know what I mean? Like, 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 no, like, no disrespect to, to the Pelicans, but that's how he's thinking. It's like, I know we're not winning in New Orleans, so it's like, let me, you know, do what I need to do to set myself up for my future. That's probably what he's looking right. at. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm higher on the Bulls than a lot of people are. My, my only thing with, with Lonzo is, I think, with the Pelicans, they didn't play fast enough to maximize the point guard side of him because he needs to be getting out and running. I thought they actually run more with Zion and just get up and down. They, they weren't a super fast I mean, team. I mean, they tried it the year before, right, with Gentry, yeah. and people said Gentry went too OD. Yeah, they was, yeah it was, <laughs> the, the pace the was pace. crazy. Yeah, so like, I, I think Chicago's going to play fast. Right. And I also think that it's a more kind of traditional. Like, Zion, Zion is great. It's just tough mixing in around that because he's more of a uh, – He's six six. He's more of a driver more than anything. It's tough to you know be off to be an on ball player with him there because he's just gonna have it all the time because he's so efficient. Right. I think the thing with Zach Levine can stretch the floor. You know, DeRozan's a mid range merchant. I think he'll have more space to operate as a bull, and they play way faster than what the Pelicans did. So I think he'll have a chance to maximize. And you have Vucevic, you know, and you have exactly as a stretch. So I think he'll have more spacing. And they play faster, and I'm, and I'm higher on the ball, especially if Pat Williams is who I think he is as a player and keeps that keeps taking a step. I'm very high on that starting five. You know, you know, I like the Bulls. I like what what you know. I like the fact that they're trying to do something. Uh, you know, Reese was on the timeline. He's talking about man. He he's trying to figure out what their direction is for the Bulls. I keep Levine happy. Levine <laughs> you, you extension know I mean? coming up. They got to make but, a swing. You know, I, I understand that the Bulls is, is you know they're they're attempting to try and keep their star there. Right. Uh, but here's my issue with 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 the Bulls, because um, look, we already know the uh, top uh, two teams in the East, right? It's the South, it's the uh, Nets and the Milwaukee it's Bucks. It's the Milwaukee right? Bucks, right? right? Uh, the Hawks, we know, are tough. Based off what they did this this past playoff, all jokes aside, the Sixers will be the, the top four tough. team, right? The Sixers are, are probably going to be competitive. I mean, losing Ben Simmons, even if, if they get a haul from him, they'll still be a competitive uh, unit. They're just we just gonna start calling Philly U, U, Utah East. Yeah, Philly Good regular season team, yeah, but we know Philly <laughs> we Utah. Know it is Philly's off. the Utah East, you know. What I mean, <laughs> and then they have the the big man star that that you know right. dominates regular season, then gets the playoffs. All of a sudden, it gets dicey sometimes. So. Uh, that that's how Philly is, but my thing with the the Bulls, like you know, you're not better than the the, the, the the Nets, the Bucks, right? We know you most likely not gonna be better than the Hawks, or maybe and maybe not gonna be better than Philly. I also don't see them being better than Boston, because like I look at Boston's best five, right? I look at Boston's closing right. five: Dennis, Marcus Smart, 
Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford. That is going to be a hell of a defensive lineup. Right. And they can, they, they have spaces. Horford can shoot the three. Tatum can shoot the three. Brown can shoot the three. Marcus Smart thinks he can shoot the three, but I mean, he's, he's going to space the floor. Depends what day it is. He's going to make them all or miss them all. Right. <laughs> but he, they're going to space the floor. Dennis is now going to be that guy who's going to be aggressive on the point of attack. He's also going to be aggressive driving. So he's going right. to keep the defense on the heels and, and create a. Uh, openings for Tatum because he's going to be sucking defenders in. And it's like, I just don't think the Bulls play good enough both ways to be able to beat a team like Boston right. to be able to crack that top five of the East. Right. I, I think you're right. I think the only plus defenders they're going to have in the starting five is, is Pat and Lonzo probably. Yeah. I think Zach, I've seen Zach be serviceable when he tries. I think hopefully he'll put effort into it. A lot of those guys who have to have a, lot, hey. a large offensive load, they don't try the same on defense. We, 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 I'll say this, man. I'll say this. For everybody – who said Caruso is an elite defender? Oh, we're gonna find out. We gonna find there's out. There's no man. elite big behind him we anymore. Find, ain't no yes. elite big. Ain't no elite perimeter defense. I mean, maybe you have Pat Williams takes the lead, and you have Lonzo, but ain't no elite rim protection behind you. Ain't no elite help defenders like right. LeBron. Uh, ready to help clean it up for you. So, hey, man, you are gonna be on the island a lot this year. And look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say Caruso is gonna fail. I'm just saying he this has some tougher. short. It has some. He has some short cranes on the island, but. Hey, man, if he comes out, if he shows up, if he balls out, I'm going to give him his props. Look, I'm going to watch the Bulls, and I'm going to straight up say, if Caruso is doing his thing defensively, if I see him holding his arm, I'm be like, hey, man, he's playing great defense. I'm not a hater. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to give people they, they do. I'm just saying, y'all, for what a lot of y'all were saying, we really didn't see that type of uh, lockdown capabilities. I get that Caruso is a great team defender. He was a great uh, a system defender. But, I mean, this was not – you're calling him an elite perimeter defender. That means, bro – if Devin Booker down, or right. Kerry Campaign down, or right. Chris Paul getting off, we need to be able to throw you on them, and you need to shut them down for at least six minutes. You know what I mean? Like Drew Holiday w- right. was doing, or like even Beverly was doing on Book. Like right. he had stretches where it's like he shut them down. And, you know, people talk pointed uh, to Booker struggling in games two and games three, but I was like, bro, who was playing games two <laughs> and games three? And then AD. also, if you actually watch those games, Dennis was doing actually a good job as well with his point attack defense in those games as well. And that was where his two, his two best games, right? Because he was doing great defensively and he scored 20 points in both of those right. games. So, you know, hey, we, we're going to see it because yeah. the Bulls are going to need Caruso to be a leader. Right. And not just the way the rules are set up, it's just tough. And, and I'll say this, like just in Caruso's point, so Drew Holiday, right? First team all defense, shutting water off. Last year in New Orleans, right, zero rim protection. Where did his ball pressure get you defensively? Is this mm-hmm. a nominal like, – this is how it is. If you don't have a big behind you, the ball pressure you put on, it's like it's, it works hand in hand. But he goes here, he's got Giannis back there, Brooke is a lead at it. So it, it, It's one of those things, man, and unfortunately – because I think we've seen what will happen to Caruso when the other guys aren't Right, that's like, exactly that's what I'm saying. Caruso yeah. is like the guard version of Robert Covington, man. Robert Covington, system, people, system, pe- system. people say, is Rocco really a good defender? He's a great team defender. His analytics for team defense is awesome, and he makes the right uh, plays as a, as a rotational guy. I don't see he's a great rotational but, guy. But if the other dudes aren't doing their job. Right, it's going to look rough. It's yeah. going to look rough. If you have to ask Robert Covington to, to shut somebody wire off, it's going to look bad. And that's kind of what I fear with Caruso when he gets into this Bulls environment. It's going to be one of those things where they ask him to shut someone's wire off because they don't have a good team defense around them. Now it's like, man, it might not look as good. But, hey, we'll see. You know what I mean? We'll see going forward if, if he can handle that. All right. And so the last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here. So we saw the, the graphic somebody put out with the Blazers starting lineup. Uh, Dame. CJ, Norm, 
two, six three, six Man. three. Uh, Roko, six seven, and then Nurk, seven feet. And so that's more like six one. That, that's six, what two, six, three, <laughs> I'm saying. Six seven. Um, so they're pretty much running back the same starting line, and it also begged the question. What in the hell is stopping Dame from getting out of there or ask hitting, hitting that button to get out of there? Um, is it going to come to and – and I, this is, a, this is a, you know, people have been criticized for having these discussions. Why do I want him to leave so bad? It's like, dude, he's been there 10 years and they haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. To, it's like I, I saw KG waste his prime in Minnesota mm-hmm. when he clearly was a top three player at some point. Mm-hmm. And it just – they never could get a team around him, right? Um, I'll say the Dame got to get way better defensively. He got to put more effort than what he did Boy, last year. I, I, yeah. man, I, think, I think a lot of people, was, man, they was picking on him right, right. In, this, in these Olympics. <laughs> right. So, do you think when, – when do you think Dame hits that button? You know, he wants to be in New York. That's his main goal to get to New York. That's where he wants to be, you know, per – you know, people around him or people who claim to be connected. That's where he wants to be. But what do you think he's waiting for? Because obviously he's already said we didn't do it good enough. He was saying this is not good enough. We're, you know, we lost the first round of backup guards, brought the same starting lineup back. So at what point do you think he hits the button? Is it, is it this trade deadline, next offseason? Like because he's over, he's past 30. So it's, it's getting to that point. So where are you with what his timeline is or you think it is? Man, um, I think it's two things. Uh, he's engaged with, in a PR battle with the Portland front office. <laughs> um, I don't know what they're doing. In ter- Look, I feel like they've already mailed it in in terms of trying to get better. Um, Do you, you know what the crazy thing? We both said, I think the same, as soon as they signed Norm, we both said, okay, CJ's out of here. They extended Norm. They're going to move CJ. <laughs> but then they were like, nope, we're not trading CJ, so – I think it's a PR battle. <laughs> I think it's they're going to be like, look, we're competitive. We're going to keep putting it out, and we're going to trust these guys to make make plays. Um, we're not going to try and blow it up unless we get something we like. And in their mind, it's like, then we know you're ready to leave. We waiting for that moment so that we can really just blow everything up because we're not going to try and waste, you know, good assets like CJ right. for marginal upgrades when you want to bounce and we can just blow everything up and get as get much return as possible. Right, right, right. So it's, it's, it's a, that's, the, that's probably how they're looking at it. And Dame is looking at it as like, man, I don't want to look bad. And number two, I want to make sure the place I want to go is set up. So I think Dame is waiting on the Knicks to get something situated. Um, I'm not going to get into the speculation of what's brewing uh, for the Knicks plan, but, uh, you know, they're preparing themselves to try and go big game hunting soon. <laughs> right. um, I'm not going to get into, the, into right. the details, but, you know, I think, I think it's a chess match going on with Dame and with his front office right, right. now, and that's why you're seeing all these reports. So what do you think of this trade before we get out of here? So the, the rumor trade that allegedly had been, you know, marginally discussed by the teams involved, it was, you know, Dame to Philly – Ben to Golden State, and then the Portland Trailblazers get Wiggins, Wiseman, Maxi, and a total of four first-round picks. So Wiggins, Wiseman, Maxi, and a total of four first-round picks, and then Ben to Golden State, and then Dame to Philly. 
Man, what, I do, think, what do you think about that trade? I I don't think there's any way they can put they that can happen without them having to give up Kaminga, in my opinion. So you think one of the guys they just got will have to go one of them to, they, one, for, for Portland? To take one of them, one of those guys, they guys gonna have to go, and I think it would be Kaminga. Because uh, he's the more high upside. Because if right, that's right. the case, corner's blowing up, then they're just looking to go big game hunting with uh, prospects. Okay. So I think for that trade to happen, Kamingo would have to give, be given up. But like I said, I'm not sure Golden State is trying to have a contract like Ben Simmons on for that long. <laughs> uh, I think in their mind, it's like, hey, we got Steph locked up. We got Clay Thompson that's going to be under contract. Uh, he'll probably stay. Uh, Draymond Green is done. We're not going to extend him. That's why we drafted Kaminga. I think Dre, you know what I, mean? I, I think Dre is the candidate to. If they do move one of that core three, Dre is definitely. The you know, what I mean, once once Dre's contract is out, if he don't take a team friendly deal, come back. Yeah, I mean, that's why they got Kaminga. Yeah, yeah. Dre, 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 Dre don't take a pay cut. It's like, well, we'll see you when your statue gets. That's that's why they got. That's why they got Kaminga. That's why they got Wiseman because all else fails and they have to stay put. It's like, all right, Dre Lee's, we got candidates to replace right. uh, his type of, of physicality right. and what he brings to the team and probably add more dimension offensively. So that's probably how they look at it. I, I really don't think Golden State wants to take any contracts because they had so much assets, like, just this year alone. Between this year and last year with Wiseman. They didn't move And then that. plus all the – all sorts of future first-round picks. If they really wanted to make a trade, they could have made any trade happen. Yeah, I think I think they just put all their – they're going to try to go for the Spurs thing, that, that two, early, that mid-2010 Spurs. Absolutely. Where, where we, got the, we got the aging stars, but we got these young legs, you know, Kawhi. Even, like, you know, Patty Mills was big, you know. Right. In those runs. So, like, just finding guys like that to supplement their guy, their uh, star players. And I think, I think Steph is going to age well. I think as long as Draymond's an elite defender, he's a plus guy. Clay is the big question mark for me. Like if 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 he's if he's at least, if he can get to seventy or eighty percent of what he was, then I I think I like the Warriors' chances to be a, a top of the conference team, if not a. a I'm not contender. I'm not worried about Clay's ability to put up eighteen points per game. No, it's the minimum. Defense. It's, the, it's defense. the defense because yep. yep. this guy was really something special on the defensive end. Uh, at the guard spot, guarding guards and some, and some and wings. Some wing. He's the best, the best three and D player ever in my life. Like the, the three and D at like, least one of the best yeah. three and D archetype players to right. ever play the game. So, it, man, it's def- how he plays defense is going to be the real key thing, and uh, that's why they got the Wiseman. That's why they got the uh, Kamingas because they're thinking if we're going to keep guys right, if we're going to stay put, and we're not going to try and add more salary. We need to make sure we're going to have guys who can help protect our aging stars. Yep, on, on uh, both sides of the ball. So they got uh, Wiseman, the big center, who's super athletic, who they think can be a rim-protecting uh, menace as well space the floor offensively with a shot. And then they got Kaminga, the raw forward, who they think they can – who's probably going to be the guy they're going to try and mold to check the big threes. And they're going to be the guy they're going to use to uh, pound teams inside that's going to take that burden off Steph and, and Clay to try and make it happen yeah. offensively. So it, I get the process for Golden State going forward, honestly. Like, I really do. It's just for the fans – for a unanimous, <laughs> it's in the now. <laughs> they uh, want it yeah, now. Yeah, they yeah. want it all now. Like they want it now. They saying, they saying, forget the kids, man. We want it now. But hey, like I told the Lakers fans, right? I told Lakers fans this all year. I said, you guys have to remember the NBA is a business, yeah. bro. I told NBA, I told Lakers fans, I said, when the Lakers get in luxury tax, I'm telling you, they gonna start looking at some of these players, and they are gonna be like, man. We can replace that. <laughs> like, y'all only were really this good because you played with LeBron, you played with Anthony Davis. And they're going to be like, 
you're not worth us paying this much of a bill in our in our mind. Right. Like we feel like we can replace you for a Batman type of talent. And you saw the type of Batman and you know the guys who they got to took pay cuts. So it was a successful approach on paper, right? But that's the type of uh, uh, approach that the Warriors is looking at now. It's like, man, we are in luxury tax hell. We paying the most tax yearly. It's gonna keep going up because we in the repeater and we have guys on the books. It's like. Man, we're not trying to trade trade it for maybes. You know what I'm saying? You know, we're not trying to trade it for maybes. I mean, they keep saying that they'll trade for Bradley Bill. And I think they're putting that out there because they know Bradley Bill don't want to come. Right. right. But it's one of those things where it's like, if it's a Bradley Bill, if it's a Paul George, it's like in their minds, like, yeah, that's no brainer because it's like we're gonna get the return on our investment. But we're not they're not trying to go for the Ben Simmons type of guys where it's like you're in a max contract and and people are unsure if you like basketball. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, they're just le- not, it's like, if it's not a legit guy. <laughs> yeah, right, like they're right, not right. going to pay that, yeah. all that luxury tax for guys. It's like we have to convince to like basketball, you know, based off what you hear across the league. You know what I mean? Right. So that's they're not going to do that, y'all. It's a, it's a business. Right. There you have it, man. Once again, thank you guys. Hit that follow, subscribe button, uh, follow. At his Kingsborough on Twitter, myself, JJ Maples55 underscore MST. Uh, follow, subscribe to the pod, leave a rating. Um, again, man, we appreciate you guys. We literally would not be here in Las Vegas uh, without you guys' support. So thank you guys. Yes, thank sir. Blue Wire, and we are out of here. Peace, y'all.